Hello and welcome to Page Parley. This is the show where we speak to the authors or experts on the work we read on scintillating stories. Today we're speaking to Garen Whited, the author of the Night Lord series, about writing and its addictive nature. Well, hello and thank you so much for coming to speak to me today. Well, I am very glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Not at all. So, for the benefit of our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Garen Whited. This should have been obvious when they tuned into the podcast because they get that thing there that they can read and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But yes. for, for, for the heart of reading, mm-hmm. that's me. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of boring, really. Uh, I'm a single white guy. I live alone. I keep to myself. I own a chainsaw. You know, totally normal. <laughs> nothing nothing to see here. Stay out of the basement. And I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those middling kids. <laughs> I was born I was born in a small library in Kansas. I mean, uh, uh, actually, no, I was born in a fairly typical hospital, but it felt like a library because I was reading at a very young age. Mm. So I was kind of doomed to uh, pick up a pen and do it myself because mm-hmm. that's how it is. It's It's what I do. Mm-hmm. Way back in the dim and misty, uh, they used to have these special buildings that weren't libraries, but still had lots of books in them. Uh, but instead of borrowing them, you could buy them. Okay. They were called bookstores. I know it sounds like a niche, kitschy little thing. This artisanal building full of like books for those weirdos who actually want to hold a piece of paper, you know, and read it. I know it's it's so weird. It's, it's no wonder they went out of business, right? Oh, I so I, I I go in there, I find myself something from the latest bestseller list. I sit down in a nice comfy chair, and I'm going to kill a couple of hours just reading because again I'm weird. So I sit there and I'm flipping through the book, and I realize that this is a very slow start. And some books are all right. I get about halfway through, and I'm going, it's got to have a killer ending. It's gotta. So I finished the last, I'm getting to the last hundred pages and thinking, I am going to finish this. I will. So I power on through, get to the end of it, close the book and think to myself, that is two hours of my life I'm not getting back and I feel cheated. Mm-hmm. I haven't paid a penny and I'm cheated. I feel cheated by this book. This is not fair. It has taken time from you. Yes, it has stolen two hours of my life like some sort of temporal vampire, and I am displeased. <laughs> and again, my, my favorite way to describe the, 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 the level of disgust I felt is – I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I could have eaten a pen and produced a better book in the morning. <laughs> might have might have taken a cup of coffee or two, but I could have done it. So what kind of thing do you enjoy writing? Well, uh, typically, uh, I am delighted with fantasy, science fiction. What I'm writing right now is primarily the Night Lord series, and a lot of that is coming from Eric's viewpoint. And because it's coming from his viewpoint, there's a lot of how does this work? What are the nuts and bolts of how do you make an Archimedes ray? You remember when Archimedes had all the shields, and they were all reflected down onto the onto the Roman forces so that they could set their ships on fire. Mm-hmm. Well. Eric's a physicist as well as a wizard. Okay. Mm. He he winds up being involuntarily turned into a vampire and discovers that is the least of his problems. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. So as time goes on, he's like, well, okay, I'll tell you what. If I change the refractive index of a chunk of air about a meter across, that's a huge amount of energy coming through it. Mm. If I can shift the the spectrum and the frequency of the electromagnetic energy going through it, I can turn it into nothing but infrared thermal energy. Mm. At which point 
I can then put it through another lens to kind of turn it into a beam. And now I've got a horrendous amount of energy focused on a really tight spot, really far away, and I'm setting fire to everything. Later, someone points it at him, which is a whole different story, but that happens later in the book. Mm. So, but again, these, how he goes through that thought process of getting there is a nuts and bolts kind of thing. Okay. Mm. Um, I do enjoy doing that, but I also try not to get too far into that when doing um, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, what could, it's not a technical manual. Okay. Mm. Here I am writing a piece of science fiction. I don't need to explain in detail how a warp drive works. Mm. You get the idea. Space is stretched or squeezed, depending, and you move faster than light, and the world is a cool place. Let's move on. There's mm. story to tell. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's, that's one of the things that bothers me about you know some science fiction is that it, it veers too far from the technical details to space opera. Now it's space mm. fantasy, if you will. Mm. And then there's it veers too far into the nuts and bolts of how the technical stuff works. So it's hard science fiction mm. when it's really just, I wish we could put one of these together and go here. Would someone else be also really thrilled with that idea, please? So, mm. yeah. yeah so if, you, if you want it, you might as well write it yourself. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, but I do enjoy science, science fiction, and I do enjoy mm. fantasy a lot. And there's a lot of how would this work mm. if I'm doing something magical? How can I make this sound good, sound plausible, and what system can I put together to make it all hang together in a way that the reader can also follow? Mm. See, without going, oh, that, oh, that's silly. That'd never work. <laughs> I, I, I hate getting that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that does. You mentioned the phrase space opera, and this is a very, this tells you about what kind of child I was. I was genuinely disappointed when it wasn't an opera about space. I was very excited for this. And then it turned out, oh, wait, why is the large lady not singing? Why are there no large ladies? What's going on? Exactly. Exactly. I understand completely about that. You <laughs> betcha. We, we need more space musicals. Yes, please. I need this in my life. <laughs> Where's the all singing, all dancing musical version of Star Trek? Oh, the, imagine. Oh, my God. Captain Picard. Yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> Worf singing his Klingon opera on the bridge of the Defiant. Well, okay, we got that. That's cool. That just tells me that we can that we can do this. We could get more. It would be amazing. <laughs> we could. Do you do research for your stories? Um, I do a lot of research on things that I'm not familiar with to make sure that I got it right. Mm. I don't want some poor guy failing a physics test because, well, the writer said that that's how physics worked because <laughs> I would feel bad about that. OK, yeah. so I try I try to have most of these uh, either a um, technically accurate or B when a character is explaining it. I, I'm not writing a textbook. Mm. OK, so uh, have you. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a silly question. No, have, you ever, have you ever read anything by, say, oh, I don't know, Sir Terry Pratchett? Most of my childhood, yes. Uh <laughs> yes, yes, I understand. Well, there's, uh, there's one particular uh, book called, I believe, The Night Watch, where Sir <gasps> Samuel Vimes winds up going back in time to face Carcer, and he has to deal with the Monks of Eternity and all that kind of thing. Yes, and uh, the sweeper is ex is explaining how they're going to get him back to the future, as it were, and put him right back into the spot where he started from, and all that kind of thing. And he explains it 
uh, and Vimes goes, oh, that kind of makes a lot of sense. And Sweeper's cohort is going, you know, that's not how it works. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. But it's a bloody good lie. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's actually one of my favorite Dave Pratchett uh, stories. So when, when I have a character, Eric, in most cases, trying to explain how, how the thing he's doing it, it actually works to someone who – has no clue how any of this will work it's like okay let me explain don't read too much into this so at which point okay i've got the metaphor now and i have a and you have a metaphor you have a way to think about it and i don't actually have to go into the textbook manual explaining why mm-hmm. <laughs> see <laughs> Trust me, I know why. I've got the system worked out. That's why it's consistent through the books, okay? (laughs) But Eric isn't explaining it very well because, well, yes, he's a teacher, but this is not part of the lesson. I just want you to understand enough for me to get by. (laughs) Oh, completely. You've written a substantial amount, a number of books. They have been adapted into audiobooks. You have to find cover art for your piece. So, What's it like collaborating with other artists to, you know, complete your vision? Well, um, now, from, from my personal experience, I work with Podium Publishing, okay? And Podium said, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mr. Whited, uh, we, we've come across your Night Lord series, and uh, we'd like to produce it as an audiobook. And I was like, uh, okay, tell me more. And it's like, we need you to sign here. Okay, back up a minute here. I mean, what exactly does this entail? Well, okay, so many sales, this percentage, percentage, this is how much you get, the royalty, and so on, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, what else do you need from me? Uh, A signature. Okay, let me see if I get – let me me rephrase this and make sure I've got this understood. I sign here. Yeah. You produce the audiobook. Yeah. You handle everything. Yeah. And then money shows up in my bank account. Yes. That's it. That's it. Forever? Forever. I'm not seeing a downside. Sure, give me that. All right, let's go. You know, I did, they thought it was a good idea, and apparently it has been. So, okay. Everybody everybody who comes across it says, well, I love this. Let's do this again. You know, Sean Ronett, they found Sean Ronette. He's a fantastic voice artist. He's doing a wonderful job in the Night Lord series. He's got that sardonic kind of the the tone that goes so well with eric Mm -hmm. oh boy and how um and so for me that was easy where where do you find the cover art for the for uh for the audiobooks podium does that Mm -hmm. oh okay uh how do you do any of that podium does that (laughs) now for the for the ebooks and for the hardbacks and that kind of thing uh i found uh, a lovely lady uh rachel beaconsfield She's kind of my cover artist. Every time I come out with a new book, hey, Rach, got, got a minute. I need you to do the thing. She's also from the UK, as a matter of fact. And uh, I say, I got an idea, and I don't know how to describe it to you, an artist, because you deal with the visual medium. And all I do is deal with the written medium. So if I write it out for you, it will not convey to you the visual impact of what I had in mind. Mm. So... I tell her kind of what I want. She gives me a couple of sketches. I go, that one's close. Do this too. And she goes, okay, boom, cover art. Nice. It re- it, and, it re- and it really is that simple. Mm. The trick is finding someone who's willing to do it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, who produces art that you like. Mm-hmm. So one good resource for that is, uh, I believe, DeviantArt, where yeah. you can just page through gallery after gallery after gallery until you find someone who's done something in a style you like. The rest of it, uh, I, ju- I just do. I, I, got, so I got friends who do Photoshop. Great. I got the, I got the dust jackets for the hardbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, when I have the cover art for the hardback, uh, that goes up with the Kindle uh, on Amazon, obviously, for the ebooks. All in all, I'd say it's pretty easy from, from as far as I've been concerned with it because other people are doing most of the work. So I can sit here and type away. <laughs> so you seem to have a really good relationship with your publisher at this point. Did that take time to build up? Podium Publishing handles just the audiobook side of things and they handle mm-hmm. all of it. And I am delighted with that because, again, if I can sit here in front of my computer typing away, 12 to 16 hours a day, mm-hmm. I will. What do you think are some of the ingredients to a good story? Because there's no one recipe. The, the recipes vary a lot, obviously, because you can create a thousand different dishes out of the same ingredients, depending on how you cook them, how you mix them, whether you chopped it, diced it, slide it f- sliced it, fried it, whatever. I think characters are kind of the, uh, a sine qua non, the, the without, without which not. If you don't have characters that the reader can feel strongly about, and I didn't say identify with, I said feel strongly about, a villain can be just as compelling as someone to hate as a heroic character that everybody wants to win, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, You need to have characters. You need to have people. More than anything else, some somebody to feel something about whether that it's a person or a computer or a, a, a magical construct or something, a character, something that that takes action. Uh, and you also need, uh, along with that, some sort of tension. Mm-hmm. There's got to be uh, some sort of conflict, but uh, people always say conflict. I think tension is a, is a better word because you can have a romantic tension whether or not there's a conflict. Okay, Uh, action scenes, political drama, whatever. There has to be some sort of is it going to work? Is it not? See, even before the conflict where they actually engage uh, a a struggle to reach a goal, reach a goal or prevent it. Uh, Characters intention. Those are the two big things. The rest may or may not be window dressing, depending on what kind of dish, what kind of story you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. But the whole room. Uh, can be ruined by poor color selection in your window dressing, mm-hmm. okay? Um, while the rest of it may not necessarily be vital, it still has to be done well. Mm-hmm. The setting, the dialogue, your language choice, the point of view, the pacing, all of that, uh, those are all ingredients. But I'm thinking that uh, for the main dish, it's the characters and how they have problems, mm-hmm. whether they can be classified as conflict or not. It's all about the people. If you get the characters right, the world and the setting often do become apparent through their eyes. And I'm not saying don't do any Mm -hmm. work on world building because that's fun. You have the top down view where you define the world. Okay, the world is flat. The sun appears in the east, rolls up along the inside edge of the firmament and goes out every night in the west. Mm. Okay. That's a wonderful thing to know. How does it affect the characters? Well, maybe it doesn't, but you're starting big and working your way down to the smaller and smaller details. Because now you can say the Western continent is generally cooler. The Eastern continent is generally warmer. 
and the middle continents are more temperate in between, suddenly your concerns are not so much about north and south being frozen, so much as east and west being frozen or tropical, depending. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, hang on. The firmament absorbs heat and redistributes it somewhat as well, which means we still have a tropical band underneath the path of the sun, but now the rest of the world is getting more heat, which means it is going to be colder in the north because that's farther away from the track of the sun. And now we're working on the geography of the place and the weather patterns. And how does all that affect the, well, well, first of all, you're going to have rivers here. You put cities in these places. Oh, wait a minute. Now we're getting down to the level of cities. Mm. This will affect characters because they got to travel between these things at some point, don't they? Mm. And so on. And the other way is from the bottom up. Okay, let's look at a very small area, say these three blocks where some major portion of the action is going to start. We got the tavern, we got the little slum lord apartment building thing where you pack them in eight people to a room and all that kind of thing. What does this tell us about the culture that we're dealing with here? They have public houses, they have a housing shortage, or the poor have a housing shortage. What's the sanitation in the city like? That's something we need to find out more about real quick because it will affect everything from here on mm -hmm. and so on. You're starting If you start at one end and start working your way down and you start, and then when you're stuck, go back to the other end and start working your way up. Eventually, you meet in the middle and go, hang on a second here. I've got a pretty well-defined world. Mm -hmm. There's your world-building philosophy for today. <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Wonderful. What what advice would you give to somebody who's starting out in your field? There are some questions that I'd need to ask first. Uh, <laughs> first of all, why do you want to be a writer? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that from the I, now. I, it, to all too many too many times, people go, "Why would you ever want to be a writer? Are you out of your mind?" The answer is yes, because writers aren't sane. OK, we're just not give up on that. Take it as a given and just move on. Why do you want to be a writer? Because I'm a lunatic. Now, can we move on from that? OK, problem solved. Moving on. OK, so what I mean by why do you want to be a writer is basically the question of what's your motivation? OK, do you want to be a writer because I want to be a writer? It sounds like a wonderful thing to be. OK, that's wanting to be a writer, but not actually wanting to write anything. That's like I want to be an engineer, but I don't actually want to design anything. Find something that makes you happy to do rather than something happy to be. That's an important mm -hmm. detail there and a huge difference. Now, on the other hand, if you want to be a writer, because you don't have a choice. What, what do you mean by that? I mean, you want to be a writer because you keep writing and there's nothing on God's earth that's going to stop you. So you may as well just give up and be a writer anyway. What's, <laughs> what's this? It's a stack of paper. 437 notepads with what looks like story. What the hell is all this? I can't help it, son. Do you have a problem? Yes, I'm out of pencils. <laughs> okay, yeah, give up. You are a writer already. The question now is, how do I become a published author? See the difference? That's that's the real problem here. Basically, get a job. I don't mean that in a harsh way. 
I mean, it is precautionary moment. Okay. Get a job, preferably full time, something that you can do without having your soul sucked out by corporates from, you know, farther up. Okay. Mm-hmm. That way you can go home and indulge your, at the moment, at the moment, hobby. If you have that resource, then have a loved one who is willing to support you and your addiction, uh, your hobby. Writing is a job. Okay. It's a hobby until you're making enough money off of it to support yourself through your writing. Do what you can to produce whatever it is you're going to write, rewrite it, revise it, improve on it, then eventually release it into the wild, hopefully to survive. Mm. But still, you know, hey, you get as soon as as soon as the kid is twelve, you kick them out, you send them into the wilderness, and hopefully they find more and you know form their own little village. It's a thing, but still. But the point there being, I, I don't want to say you're not going to write the next great novel and be an instant millionaire overnight. Hmm. You might. You may as well buy a lottery ticket. I don't want to do the marketing. I want to write my stories. Yes. What is so hard about understanding this? Everybody leave me alone. Unfortunately, it is a part of being a writer. Your story will go nowhere unless you get it out there in front of people. And your stories won't send you any money to make more stories unless people buy it. And they have to see it to buy the thing. It does no good to just post it on Amazon and say, okay, it's out there. Amazon will ignore it because there's no interaction with it because nobody knows it exists. Mm-hmm. You Marketing is uh, required, and I'm sorry to say that, but it is. So get used to that idea up front and find somebody to do it for you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's another reason to have a full-time job. You can pay someone to do that sh- crap. Now, eventually – The goal here, obviously, is to basically do what I'm doing, not have a real job except for your writing job, and it is a job. You show up to work. You do the work. You do the writing, and no matter how much fun it is, you sit your butt in the chair, and you put the story. It puts the story in the machine or else it gets the hose again. Okay, that's just how this works. You have to do your job. And I I, I make the joke a lot that my boss is a total bastard. First thing in the morning, he puts me in front of that computer and says, write the damn story. I'm just waking up. What do I know that read the last chapter you wrote and write more? Then you can have breakfast. And if you're very good, you'll get lunch. Okay, okay, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. See? And then people go, wow, your boss is tough. Yeah, well, I'm self-employed. What do you want? Yep. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. If your boss is – if you're self-employed and your boss isn't being a bastard about it, you're not doing it right. (laughs) So there you are. It is a job. And no one but another writer will under, ever understand how hard it is. Uh, I, I think it was uh, – pretty sure it was Neil Gaiman. Writing consists mainly of just putting one word after the other. It's that simple, and it's that hard. Mm-hmm. As long as it's in your heart and head, it is of no benefit to anyone but you. 
Mm. And if you're trying to write it down, hopefully you're trying to make it a benefit, at least a few hours idle amusement Mm. to everyone else. Mm. So sit down, share it with the world, and everything will be and every and make everything better. That's lovely. I do love that. How could people find your work? You can look for me on Amazon if you put my name in, Garen Whited. Uh, Amazon knows me, which is a little disconcerting. Uh, Google knows me as well, but I, we kind of expected Google to know me. Google knows everybody. Mm. Um, uh, see, I've also got a website. Again, it's my name, Garen Whited, all one word, GarenWhited.com. Uh, there's some bonus stories there. Um, the, uh, there's at least a couple of extra chapters, mm. uh, things that didn't make it into the books, but when you when you go through the books and read them and go, wait a minute, okay, that's where that came from. Okay, cool. Uh, the one story, ants. It's a, it's a bonus chapter from one of the from one of the Night Lord books, and it explains why whenever ants are brought up, Eric responds with, "I don't want to talk about it." <laughs> I do have a Patreon site. It's something someone suggested because all the books are in English, and uh, apparently I've got some fans who have friends and family who don't read English; they read Russian. So the Patreon is there as we're, we're, we're saving up, as it were, uh, to uh, put, the, put the Night Lord Sunset through the, through the translation mill and turn it into a Russian language version. Oh, uh, heck. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while, but we're working on it. In the meantime, there, there are more stories and things posted there as well. Facebook, there are a couple of fan groups, oh. author Garen Whited, and there's also the Beware Spoilers group where we discuss things that are, are theoretical or things that, you know, the latest book is out. I haven't read it yet. Well, stay out of the Spoilers group. Jeez, what were you thinking? It's literally you- called the Spoilers group. Exactly. Yes. Good. What did anybody tell me that? It's in the name, dude. Everybody loves a good link to click. It's a lot easier than, you know, wait, how do you spell that? Yeah. Excellent. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming to speak to us, Garen. It's been an absolute pleasure to discuss your work with you. I think it's been absolutely brilliant, too. I've been I've been delighted to be here. Let's do this again sometime. Oh, definitely. Yes. (laughs) Everybody, please do go and look at Garen's work. Uh, I highly recommend it. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, So again, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more of Garen's work at his website, garenwhited.com. I'll leave a link in the description. If you want to suggest or submit a short story or a subject you'd like us to cover, then contact us through our Facebook page or Twitter. And subscribe if you would like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production. <laughs>